Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Spread the truth! Just set you free! You can't handle the truth! Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? No. I am the father. Set her alive, you are coming with me. I don't want to brag, but I will. I was in the Avengers. The Avengers? Yeah. That's great! Thank you! What is that? Hasta la vista, baby. Hello and welcome to the Creative Control Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kenan, and thank you for joining us either for the first time or once again, uh, and this time we're on episode 64. Um, joining me from the Creative Control team this week, we have Sasha and Alex. How are you guys doing? I'm good, thanks. All good. Sasha giving the salute. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Alex is uh, there's developed a little bit of a cough. So if there is any coughing on the track, um, that's down to him. <laughs> and I'm not going to go back and edit it all out. So he's 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 got his finger hovered over the mute button whenever he can. Um, Sasha, how are you feeling? Have you managed to escape the illnesses going around at the moment? I'm caught ill all year. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I suppose you don't leave your house on a regular basis, but when you yeah. do, you leave for like months or days. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, today's topic, we are back going retro. We are going back to the 80s once again. And this time we are talking about the top 10 films of 1983. So if you're not familiar with this format, basically we decided that a lot of the films from our youth are not always shown a lot of love. Or a lot of the films are actually glanced over because people do top 10 lists of the 1980s and a lot of films get missed. And this was a great opportunity for us to discuss those. And I've learned a lot actually myself from this. And I've gone back and watched a lot of movies that have been recommended. And I've started making sure that all the films that have been mentioned, I'm ticking them off and getting them watched. So it's been really good for me. So we started off with 1980. Uh, so we did a top 10 films of 80 and we've done 81 and 82. So if you haven't checked those out, please make sure you go back and check those out. And uh, hopefully you'll find a few nice surprises in there. The stuff that you may never have heard of before. Um, I certainly hadn't. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm all the better for it in my movie knowledge and movie appreciation. So 1983, that is going to be where we're at. But just before we do that, I just want to say thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for listening as always. And if you're new, welcome. Um, we are Creative Control. Basically, we are a group of nerds who like to talk about movies. And uh, we try and come up with concepts and ideas. Um, uh, we take franchises and say what we would do with them. Um, we review movies. Uh, we cast future movies. Um, all that kind of stuff. So if you're a fan of film, hopefully you'll enjoy yourself. But uh, yeah, you can catch us on any um, any podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible. And uh, for the video version, you can catch us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe. And also the video and audio versions are both available on Spotify. Um, right. So if you're not familiar with the format, what we tend to do is wherever is on the podcast, we will nominate, uh, go to sort of like a round robin and nominate a film to make our top 10 list. Um, we'll at the end then obviously talk through our own top 10 list in total, but it's going to be a combination of the three of us on this episode. So what's going to happen is the three of us will each give three nominations each and that will give us nine and then we'll fight it out for the last spot. Um, whichever film we need, Phil, we need to make up that last top 10. Sometimes you take it from our WhatsApp group. So everybody who appears on the show is by our WhatsApp group, but nobody put forward a list this time. So busy week, you know, towards Christmas. So it's just down to us three this time, guys. Um, now, does anybody want to go first for their first pick? And, uh, and again, this doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be ranking them in order. So it's just going to be a top 10 of 1983 however i know alex and particularly sasha they definitely rank their movies in terms of their number one spot down to 10 
I'm kind of more of a, this is kind of my top 10. This is kind of nearer the top, lower the bottom. But I know Sasha in particular, he's like, no, I'm ranking these sons of bitches. <laughs> so, uh, so he'll give us his full top 10 uh, to make sure that anything that we haven't mentioned, he mentions. Because again, it's all about learning about movies. So Alex, Sasha, is either one of you want to go first? I don't mind. I'll go if you want, Satch. Yeah, um, I feel like yeah. I couldn't be a Star Wars fan about saying Return of the Jedi. It's hey. Hey. <laughs> it had to be, right? Uh, Star yeah. Wars Return of the Jedi, later rebranded, episode uh, six. Um, yeah, it was the biggest grossing movie of 1983. Was it really? Yes, it was. No. Yes, was it, it was. 100%. So he didn't started putting the episode numbers until they re-released Star Wars in 1980. Right. Okay. So, so by the time Return of the Jedi come out, it was actually called Episode Six. Yes, it was. Even even Empire was Episode Five. Wow. Okay. I have been educated, yeah. and this is what we're about. So, all right. <laughs> cool. Um, Alex, only, why did only Star Wars? Only Star Wars. The first Star one Wars was titled Star Wars, and that was it. That's it. And then, that was it. Yeah. And then around 1980 or 79 or something, one of the re-releases because mm. they re-release movies more often back then. They right. changed. They changed it to Episode Four: A New Hope. So yeah. Uh, okay, that's some, that's some great trivia there. Uh, that'd be good for a pub quiz knowledge um alex what did you like about uh return of the jedi then um you know as a star wars fan obviously empire is still the number one out of the trilogy but you know it, it closed out the trilogy as a kid you know i mean everyone sort of pictures a bit about that you want stuff now but as a kid i loved it it was great um how could you be a star wars fan and not put this in your list of 1983 <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, um, it was actually the first Star Wars movie I saw. Um, I wasn't that much of a, a nerd for it when I was very younger. Um, when I was very younger, that's even a proper sentence, when I was much younger. Um, but I was actually working with my dad up in Oxford Street in his shop, and um, it was like kind of a treat for working with him for the weekend. And he took me to HMV in Oxford Street, and he's like, right, you can pick one movie uh, to watch, you know, to buy VHS. And I looked at it, and I just saw the cover and uh saw the cover of it you know this guy with a sort of like light sword and the ewoks and everything on the front cover and i was just like yo this looks cool and i read the back of it and i was like yeah i'm into this i watch it and i watched that and that's actually how i got into star wars so yeah return of the jedi was actually the first one i saw um and then went back and discovered the others so uh yeah because at the time it came out you know i was born in 81 this came in at 83 it's not like we saw these in the cinema so yeah that's how i first discovered uh star wars and, and uh, return of the jedi but yeah you know it's a lot of fun um it, you know some people find you know when they're ranking all of them sometimes it even ranks lower than some of the prequels and stuff like that which i find quite strange but i thought it was a solid movie great into the trilogy it uh, wrapped up all the stories really well um i wasn't a particular fan of the way they changed the end of it and put um, hayden christensen in as vader um, I can kind of understand it for connecting to the original movies, but yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that change. But I thought the end scene in particular was really powerful, like him and Luke, you know, him converting his his father back to the you know back to the light, and uh, then they undid all that by making three more movies called uh, Seven, Eight, and Nine, and uh, destroyed the Skywalker saga. But anyway, uh, we're talking about Return of the Jedi. Sash, what do you like about Return of the Jedi? Yeah, um, what's there not to like, man? You said it there. 
where does it sit in my list of films of full time? It's one of the best films ever made, um, hands down. I say that because I never put the Star Wars films in my top 10 because mm -hmm. I, it's like Sophie's choice for me. It's like those yeah. three films. You are, consider them as almost like one entity. Yeah, right? that, that, yeah, that's it. That's with me. Like mm -hmm. one day I might feel for Star Wars more. One day I might feel for Empire more. One day yeah. I might feel for Jedi more. I know Jedi is probably the, I know deep down, like realistically, objectively, Jedi is probably the worst film out of the three kind mm -hmm. of thing let's 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 be honest but i love all three of those movies that much i can't yeah you know i mean i can't i can't i can't you know what i mean i can't do one you know what yeah. i mean out, yeah, yeah. out of them like sure empire is technically the best one you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i i acknowledge that but when i was a kid it was like all three of them yeah you know i mean like mm -hmm. it's yeah. it's it's the perfect trilogy um in my book okay Forget all the prequels, the sequels, or whatnot, mm -hmm. is the daddy for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like every film trilogy was basically based on those on off the foundations of those three films. Every studio tried to replicate what Star Wars did. What yeah. what Lord of the Rings was in the early 2000s is what Star Wars was in the 80s. And mm -hmm. I'll go so far to say what the Marvel Cinematic Universe was, it's kind of following in the same footsteps. Because I'd say Endgame was a return of the jedi of today kind of thing because it's yeah, a combination yeah. combination yeah all of you know it was like the finale and when you look at return of the jedi even now it's like the story should have ended there really <laughs> like should just ended there yeah but that was the end of the saga other, yeah it's a whole other debate i'm not going to divulge into it no, that's um, for another time yeah that's for another time but like, and we spoken about it in loads of other episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and plus, like, like you said, like, the, you know, for all its weak moments is, or what people perceive as weak moments is, end of the day, the payoff at the end, Luke versus Vader, mm -hmm. everything in that Emperor's throne room is gold, is gold. fire. Everything is fire. Luke Skywalker as well in that movie just rocks into Jabba's palace like a bad man yes. in a whiny little punk on the farm telling Han mm -hmm. Solo how to drive the Millennium Falcon and shit and all of this shit and mm -hmm. I just walking in like a bad boy just like you know boy became a man yeah. force choking Gamalorian guards you know what I mean shit talking Jabba the heart you know what I mean he's like literally like yo fat slug shut hush your mouth eyes Jedi give me my friends in it and then yeah just kills his rancor and he's just calm he's not even mm -hmm. freaking out he's just calm it's like all part of the plan man you know mm -hmm. and like fucking yeah man what's there not to love about return of jedi really yeah really a jedi ewoks, like my father ewoks, before me people that hate ewoks fuck you i love ewoks okay yeah right <laughs> yeah that moment ewoks. when that one gets injured or technically killed that's a moment yeah, you know where he, get, where he goes to comfort him. He's like rocking him. It's like, come on, come on. It's like, no. It's like, oh, oh, no words are spoken, but you yeah, feel it. I don't care. Up. It will fuck your shit up as well, man. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. They're feral, they're feral creatures, man. They, they'll fuck the empire up, man, and yeah. they did. So you know, <laughs> they're, they're prepared to eat you. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're that's gonna, it. They're, they're going to eat up Han Solo. I thought they were going to barbecue him, put some herbs and rib, you know, herbs and spices, yeah. and go nuts, man. But you know. Yeah. Um, often the uh, often the directors of the trilogy the trilogy kind of get forgotten, and this was directed by Richard uh, Marquand, and he was only he's only one of two non-American directors to direct a Star Wars film. Uh, so it's him, and then 
Gareth Edwards for Rogue One in 2016. So up until then, he was the only one to do it. Um, but he died relatively quickly after the movie. So he died in 1987 from a stroke at like 49 years old. So he never really got to see the success of that franchise like many other people that have been a part of it. So, but you know, it was his biggest hit, obviously. But um, but yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, often gets forgotten that director. Um, right, let's move on to our second movie, and uh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll pick with this one. So I will put my film in, and I'm gonna go with Trading Places. Uh, that is where I need to be. It probably is number two on my list. Um, it's a great comedy. It's uh, in our top 10 Christmas movies as well. So if you haven't checked that episode out, go check that out. Um, it is a fantastic Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. And if you're not familiar with Trading Place, it stars Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And um, Dan Aykroyd plays uh, Louis Winthorpe III. Um, he's a businessman who works uh, for com in uh, commodities in a brokerage firm by Duke & Duke, owned by the brothers Mortimer and Randolph Duke. Um, now they bicker over the most trivial things and you know they're high flyers loads of money so for them it's just about trying to find the humor and uh in in everyday life so they start bickering about what and it's quite a deep thing actually what whether it's a person's environment or hereditary that determines how well they'll do in life so it's like a social study in a sense um and so Winthor bumps into billy ray valentine he's a street hustler who's eddie murphy and he assumes he's trying to rob him and he gets him arrested and then seeing how different the lives are of these two characters like well what if we were to swap what if Winthor was to lose his job his home he's shunned by everybody that he knew previously and um then valentine takes his job and they make that happen so they make it so Winthorpe gets uh done for a crime he didn't commit he gets arrested um he loses his fiance his money everything he ends up on you know technically on the streets um but then he meets up with a um hooker who is jamie lee curtis um because she's used by the the brothers uh to act as somebody that he knows in front of his um wife and friends and stuff well his fiance and friends to add all part of the plan and she then helped decides to help him get trying to get back on his feet Winthorpe and Valentine under, you know, discover the scheme that's going on between the two. And then basically they set about doing a, a turntables on the other guys um, to make him lose all their money. So, you know, really fantastic film. Great, great comedy. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis um, is great in this as well. And uh, she hadn't done much, pre much previous to this. She was very well known for her Halloween movies. But she was apparently a really hard sell to the studio because she'd never done comedy before. But, you know, she was great in it. Um, Eddie Murphy, I think this was only like his second movie as well, you know, so he w wasn't well established. So it was just a culmination of, you know, some really great talent coming at a really great time. Um, and it was directed by John Landis, who'd he'd done comedy before. He'd done Lampoon's uh, Animal House, National Lampoon's Animal House. He'd done Blue Brothers and he'd done American Werewolf in London. So he'd had a really good track record up until this point. And it was just, yeah, like I say, a combination of really great talent um, in front of the camera, behind the camera and a really, really fun film. Um Sasha, thoughts on Training Places? It was my number two. It's now my number three. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, all right. As you mentioned, Sasha, so what do you, what's it about Training Places for you? Is Eddie Murphy at the height of his um, star power kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's Stan Aykroyd also, you know, at the height of his fame as well. They're literally like the chemistry is just there, man. And mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just pure jokes. It's pure jokes. Mm -hmm. It's probably the first, I want to say this was probably the first Eddie Murphy film I'd ever seen. Right, okay, so, yeah. Yeah, my entry was this, 
and then Beverly Hills Cop shortly followed very much after. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. never the other way around. This was yeah. Yeah, because pro literally, I was going to say prior before this, I think I'd I'd watched um, Richard Pryor in um, Brewster's Millions, which is one yes. of my favorite okay. comedies yeah. of all time. But this 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 was up there because, like mm -hmm. in my house, it was this Brewster's Millions, or constantly mainly because my dad was a huge Eddie Murphy fan right. and uh, Richard Pryor fan. So it was, you know these these films, the Distinguished Gentleman as well, just frequently playing in my house. So yeah all right cool much love um alex thoughts on trading places i saw you nodding oh, yeah. as soon as i mentioned um, it up on my list as well um i've got it in, it's probably about number four at the moment on my list because i've had a few okay. things shift around um but yeah i think same as uh Sasha, i think this might have been one of the earliest eddie murphy films i would have seen as well um and you know you guys have kind of said it all man the chemistry between the two you know is probably be it's a great comedy it's also a great christmas movie as we put it on our list uh, previously as well and um, yeah it's just all around 80s all right cool um right so now we're moving on to our number three pick that is down to you sasha um what movie are you going with? my number two <laughs> no this is your, this is your first pick this, this is your first pick i don't i don't oh like what is my what oh because obviously ah. we're combining we're combining the list right so we all put a movie forward so, so now you need to put a movie for my number two or my number three, whichever movie you want to add to the list. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. Well, I guess like we do every time, Sasha, on the top ten. <laughs> Sorry. So trading places, trading places. So we've got so we've got Return of the Jedi and Trading Places. They're locked in. They're locked in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um. All right. Then I will bring this one because no, no one's going to mention it. So, um. Yeah. <clears throat> A gang of pirates have taken over the high seas. The military is powerless to stop them. But now, the fate of his homeland is being threatened, and things are getting personal. Jackie Chan, Yoon Brio, and Sammo Hung unite. <laughs> Project A in cinema. Wow, okay. <laughs> Project A. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Back in the 90s, not the 80s, but in the 90s, when Channel 4 would do their Jackie Chan Friday film night, okay, which went on for weeks where a lot of people my age got exposed to this man initially. Of course, there was Police Story. Of course, there was Armor of God. But Project A was one of these bad boy films that came out. Came out in 1983. It's Jackie Chan. He's a sailor and he fights fucking pirates and yeah, all <laughs> kinds of madness. So he almost, this is, this is a film where he famously like broke his back. He, he literally right. clung onto their life on top of a clock tower and he's fighting the guy with one hand. And then he basically does a stunt where he has to drop from the tower and land on the canopy and yeah, onto the floor. And he mm -hmm. does the stunt and he breaks his back, and guess what? He has to do the stunt again. <laughs> he has to do it again. He has to do the same shit again. Um, breathtaking film. Outtakes are mad. Stunts are insane. 
him in his prime. This is a prime Jackie, not rush hour shit. This is a mm -hmm. prime Jackie. Um, the the dubbed version is the one that I recommend because it's funny as hell. We have British okay. Chinaman. It's awesome. And <laughs> like, who's the greatest kung fu fighter in all of, you know what I mean? Like Hong Kong. And it's like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, love it, love it, love the Cockney accent on that guy. I don't even know who that extra was, but when he came out with that line, I was like, "That's fucking hilarious." Um, it's uh, all right. It's 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 a it's a classic. If anyone anyone that's a hardcore Jackie Chan fan will know, Project A is the one, and also it's the one where you have his partners in crime, Yun Biao mm -hmm. from Martial Law, and. The great uh Yun sorry, um Samo Hung from Martial Law and Yun Biao. Okay. That's why uh, if you don't know who Yun Biao and Samo Hung is, there's a great cameo of them two in uh 80 Days Across the Worlds, mm -hmm. where they that one they go to they go to Hong Kong or they go to China and the free reunite for a moment, and all the Jackie Chan fans were like, right. Yeah, what where's their movie? We want to see their Western movie. Yeah, you know I mean, with the with the brothers united, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, um, this is this is one of the top top ones. Whenever them three are together, it's like mm -hmm. the Avengers before there was Avengers, right. okay, for hardcore <laughs> Jackie Chan fans. So um so because there's a collection of films where it's like uh what's it, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, uh Wheels on Meals, no, Meals on yeah, Meals on Wheels, which is the first Jackie Chan film I ever seen, and mm -hmm. this one, Project A, part okay. one, because there is a part two, but that one doesn't have the brothers; it just has Jackie. But you know, okay. it's, it's good. But this one, this one's memorable. Clock Tower fight, the bicycle fight that's been repeated in, um, I think, Rush Hour. Some of the bicycle tricks were repeated. Mm -hmm. This one's a little bit more hardcore because, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, he's like, younger. <laughs> it's younger and it's in china where there's no like you know how oh, you can't Health and safety laws that. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's raw. um you know pirates him fighting pirates um yeah him fighting everything it's it's awesome All man right. check it out <laughs> uh yeah and no, i've just looked it up and he co-wrote it jackie chan as well yeah. and uh, he also directed it yeah. so uh yeah. it's, it's all jackie um okay yeah uh, what else does he sing on? There's a everything. There's a he sings all the some... soundtracks to his films. Yeah, there was. Um, did he did he do the the singing version for like Mulan or something like that? There was this, there was one where the international singers would sing the certain songs of the movies, and he sung one of them. It was a Disney movie, and I can't remember oh, which one it was. I really don't know that, but yeah. um, I'm gonna have to have a look at that up. But um, yeah, we'll have to do we'll have to do a Sasha top ten of Jackie Chan movies. Um, oh. I'm sorry, um, guys. Rush Hour is not on that list. None of the none of his Western stuff is on that list. Okay, none of it. None of all it. All right. Um. Oh, so he sang "I'll Make a Man Out of You" for Mulan for the special edition DVD release. So you can oh, see okay. it on uh, YouTube. So if you type in "I I Make a Man Out of You," and he yeah he sings on it apparently um, with Jackie oh, wow. Chan. Yeah, he does it in that. the Cantonese. So there you go. Um, Alex, are you familiar with Project A? I am not, no, so I can't join no. on this one. Um, no, if you like Jackie, if you like Jackie Chan, if you like Jackie Chan, I never really got onto that, uh, sort of Jackie Chan martial arts train back, back mm -hmm. in the day. Oh, um, you missed out, man. Yeah. You missed out. I was, yeah. I was, I was, I'm a year younger than you, Satchel. You know, maybe it's just maybe it's just the timing, yeah. 
what we'll probably need to do, Sasha, is just have you do is maybe instead of a top 10, we'll need to do a Jackie Chan watch list. So like watch these in order, whether it's release order or look, this is where you should dip your toe in. This is where you should go to. Maybe we'll figure something out like that. You know so. what? If I'm going to do a Jackie Chan one, I got to mm-hmm. get two, two, three guys on. Fine. And uh, one, 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 one is a comedian. Yeah, D-Lan. Yeah, D-Lan. D-Lan maybe. And, we need D-Lan and Imran on, right? We'll have to yeah, extend Ran, or or I was going to say my friend Jed Jed Dugdale, also known as Sim G, for all you guys into UK rap and grime and shit. Sim G, check his album, and uh, Ben, my friend Ben, who's been on Zito's gang a few times. Um, all right, yeah. put put the feels out, man, and we'll do a Jackie Jad episode. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that's so we've got three at the moment. So we have um, Return of the Jedi, Trading Places, and Project A. So, Alex, we're coming back to you for your second pick. What is your next nomination? Um, do, 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 do. I feel like now, because we've only got three, I feel like there's going to be a couple of others that you guys might pick. So I feel like I want to skip mm-hmm. over those, maybe pick something a little bit off kilter a little bit. So I'm going to go um, The Dead Zone. Starring Christopher Walken. Right. Hey. See, I didn't have this on my list. So, is it is it the dead is it the dead the zone dead, or yeah, dead zone? The, the dead zone. All right. Tell us about it. Based on a Stephen King book. Um, it's about a guy play uh, the Christopher Walken plays. He basically ends up in a coma for I think it's about like five years or something like that. And when he awakes from the coma, he finds he has the ability when he touches people to like see their future and gets mm-hmm. visions and stuff. Martin Sheen is also in it. Um, he plays like a congressman or a senator or something up for like election. Um, he uh, Chris Walken basically then discovers that through a vision that in the future he's going to become president and he's basically going to start like World War Three by nuking um, like Russians or whoever happens to be you know the bad guys at that time. Um, and so it's then all about him sort of trying to come to terms with all. If I know this is going to happen do i stop it and he basically sees the only way to stop it is to assassinate him before it can happen so um yeah that's kind of how things start to all right okay and I, i've just had a look at um it was directed by uh, uh david cronenberg yeah david cronenberg as well apparently yeah. a bit of trivia on this movie is david cronenberg uh, fired a 0.357 magnum loaded with blanks just off camera to make walken's face seem more involuntary this is christopher walken's idea so that's that's some method acting um but uh okay sasha are you familiar with dead zone no i've not really seen it no no i haven't i'm a, I'm a big stephen king ba- fan from the books point of view but i know there's a, quite a few of the earlier films i haven't seen but um yeah christopher walken stephen king yeah i'm gonna have to have to get on in get in on this um it didn't even come up um sort of like on my list so it did um, get made yeah. into a TV series as well back in. I don't know when it would be. Would it be early, uh, like late night? No, maybe early two thousands. I can't remember. But okay. that ran for quite a few seasons, and again, like things like that, like the special effects and stuff, had obviously moved on a little bit mm-hmm. by then. So mm-hmm. things like some of the visions were played out quite well, where you know he would sort of like be able to sort of like walk around within the visions, and it got a little bit yeah. sort of like CSI and stuff. But, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh right, so we'll move on to the next one. I'm I'm very conflicted about putting this particular movie in, so I might wait and maybe save it for my third pick. Because I don't think anyone's gonna pick it. 
but it's very dear to my heart. So I'll I'll leave that for a moment. But there's two other films which do do what you feel what you feel is right. That's it exactly. So I think I'll save it for my next one. Um, So this one I could go for the obvious, but I think someone else will pick this, or if not, it'll definitely make the top ten for that final pick. So I'll go for this one, which is uh, War Games. Uh, So this is uh, Matthew Broderick and um, Ali Sheedy, uh, basically a high school student, um, David uh, Lightman. Uh, Matthew Broderick. He's on whistling hats into a military supercomputer while searching for new video games. After starting a game of uh, global thermonuclear war, Lightman leads the com- supercomputer to activate the nation's nuclear arsenal in response to a simulated threat as a Soviet Union. And basically, he realizes pretty much starting World War Three for real. Um, so basically, Lightman, with the help from his girlfriend, who's played by Shidi, have to find a way to alert the authorities and stop World War Three um and it's uh it's actually a really decent thriller um it's sort of like your 80s teens up against like the military in a sense or you know sort of like that versus the government or that higher power um but yeah it's a, it's a really well-paced thriller it builds suspense very well yeah there's a couple of cheesy moments but the premise is really good and i'm surprised it's not something that hasn't been remade already i think it's actually due a remake now from what i saw but i think it's, it's perfect movie for a remake especially with kind of the technology and you know the fear of war and everything there is these days especially with being able to remote missiles from anywhere you want it's is a real threat um it was directed by john haddam he also directed saturday night fever um and he would go on to direct uh, short circuit um after this but yeah it's a strong movie it's, it's referenced a lot in other um sci-fi material um it's referenced a lot in heavy um, ready player one uh the book uh version not the movie but in the book it plays a key part in one of the um the gate tasks um stuff like that he has to reenact the movie and yeah um really really solid film either of you guys familiar with war games uh yeah half of it it's my okay. number it's my number three it was it was, right. it was what i was going to go for to be fair next but i thought no i'll go dead zone because i'm pretty sure someone else is going to say war games <laughs> yeah All that's right, a great cool. Actually, i rewatched it not that long ago and it's still i mean obviously you know like technology wise and stuff obviously it doesn't sort of like hold up for today but in terms of like being able it's not like when those 80, 80s films where you're rewatching, like, oh, actually, I can't sort of sit through this because it's just too mm. sort of like dated and, and, and cheesy, yeah. but that no, actually still holds up. It's a, yeah, that's a fantastic film. Okay, great. So, Sasha, have you not watched it? Or is it kind of one of those movies that you kind of watched but not? When I was a kid, this was a movie I'd fall asleep to because I thought it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was young me. Well, that was young me. That was young me. It's just. Because like I was a kid and it was like, uh, this this film, uh, why do we own it? Kind of thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like it was like one of the first VHSs to go. Like <laughs> like like go, <laughs> gone, be gone, you know. Cause I never I never watched it. I never really watched it fully. I never I, I never watched it as an adult to give it its full kind of like due. And yeah. I've always, whenever I've seen it, it's like the least thing I want to go watch kind of thing. Right, okay. I've grown up as a kid. Um, I'm sure it's a good film. It's just I've just never given it a chance. And probably when I do see it, it'll probably be like, oh, my God, that was kind of decent, man. Um, but, yeah, I've just never I've just never gravitated towards it ever, um, I guess. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, the plot sounds cool. <laughs> Yeah, like but, I say, it's, but, it's but, right but, for a remake. But yeah, yeah. But, when, but back fast forward to when you were a kid in the eighties, it's probably not. You know what I mean? That exciting. You know what I mean? Like, like you know. 
but it was beyond my comprehension. But then, mind you... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably the age that you saw it. Now you probably appreciate the suspense a lot more. Yeah. So uh, a good example of this, and I'll probably get executed, but it's one my best friend Simon Marrick keeps reminding me, kind of thing. He is such a great film, okay? And I saw that in cinema, and Mm -hmm. maybe it was the people I was around with at the time. It definitely was, to a degree. Um, Mm -hmm. We came out of that movie, and we thought it was the most boringest film we'd ever seen in our lives. But that's because if you saw what our palette was, our palette was comedies and Mm -hmm. action movies, like the the Jerry Bruckheimer action movie, or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And when you're, like, literally being spoon-fed that you're not ready for a real fucking movie you're not real yeah. you're not ready for yeah. a real fucking thriller and shit yeah i mean i didn't start like getting into like proper films until i was like 17 you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah all right That's... cool so war games makes a list uh one that sasha's gonna have to watch and uh i think it's probably one that we could do a creative casting if we're gonna recast it and redo that movie so we'll probably look at doing that in the future that'd be quite cool Right, Sasha, what is your next pick? So just to remind you what we've already got, we've got Return of the Jedi, Trading Places, Project A, The Dead Zone, War Games. What's your next pick? My next pick. Hang on, so how many is that? Four. So we on our list, we've got one, two, three, four. We've got five. Five. But you, you've got two more picks. You've got this one and one more pick for definite. Oh, okay, I've got to choose wisely on these picks because there's some mm. some that I really want on there, but it's like they are popular films, but I don't mm. know whether you guys are going to pick them. One, well, that's it, one because I it, I, that I've been thrown, because I've been looking at my list, and because I've got the Dead Zone and Project A in there, which I hadn't picked, I'm like, oh, how am I going to get the other films on the list? Yeah. So, yeah. I got one with a certain guy in a cape, but I don't know whether I'm going to put him. <laughs> <laughs> whether i'm gonna put don't him. worry if you don't put him i've got him so don't worry okay so long as he gets in there but you know yes <laughs> all right in that case then i'm gonna pick that's made that's made a decision easier now i've got sophie's choice with two with two film no three films now um <laughs> yeah certain a certain secret agent might have to go as well <laughs> Ooh, but which one <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that thing. But you know what? I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna pick the the obvious. I'm gonna go for a little bit of a comedy, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. Right. Okay. Yeah, a film I got introduced to in my teens because I never really grew up on Monty Python in general. Mm-hmm. But my group of mates were really hardcore into it, and this mm-hmm. was my entry point to those movies. And this film was fantastic. It was fucking hilarious, man. Just everything. John Cleese, Bigger Stickers, everything, man. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, you're in I'll for I'll hold my hands up. I've not watched a Monty Python movie. I, I don't know why, don't know how, but yeah. You're a very naughty boy. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and that was the worst impersonation ever of it. I, I need the squeakier voice, so... <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 fucking hilarious, and it's definitely peak British humor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's up there, it's up there. All those films are up there, but this was this is this was a good entry point kind of thing. I say, hundred percent, right. watch it. It's hilarious. Um, I don't even know who the guy that plays Brian is, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, because the main character is called Brian. 
No, right, is okay. it Meaning of Life? Wait, am I getting confused with films? Which one was Meaning of Life? Yeah, The Meaning of Life was 1983. Oh, um, wait, 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 give me a sec. Are you thinking Life of Brian? Yeah, I was thinking Life of Brian, but Meaning of Life was which one? Was that the one with Billy Connolly? I don't know. I've only ever seen the Monty Python movies once, so they're kind of yeah. Some of, some of the stuff kind of like blurs together for me. And wait, every so Monty John Cleese is Fish Two. Eric Idle is Gunther. Terry Jones is Bert. Uh, Michael Palin is uh, Window Washer. So yeah, they all oh, I really help. <laughs> yeah, that one. I'm totally getting confused with like Monty Python, so everyone's going to execute me. But this one's a banger <laughs> too. This one's a banger too. Definitely watch it. Okay. So it's still on your list. This one. It's still, yeah, it's still on my list, man. It's still All on right, my list. Cool, cool. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm not familiar with the. Well, I'm familiar with the Monty Python, uh, sort of like franchise, if you will. Um, and um, the Monty, Monty Python team, this one is they're trying to solve the most important question on Earth. What is the meaning of life? They do so by exploring the various stages of life, starting with birth. A doctor seems more interested in his equipment than delivering the baby or caring for the mother. A Roman Catholic couple have quite a lot of children because every sperm is sacred. It, you can kind of get the idea. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's a part musical as well. So this is something that uh, I need to invest some time in. I do need to watch some Monty Python movies because obviously you've got Life of Brian, Holy Grail, um, and stuff like that. So, okay, cool. Um, right. So Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, that's added to the list. Alex, we're back over to you for your third pick. Oh, man. Okay, I feel like since it hasn't come up yet, even though it might be an obvious choice, mm -hmm. I feel like i now have to put it in just to make sure it makes the list so i'm gonna go scarface <laughs> good man good man okay <laughs> i thought it would come up by now already so i'm like no i'm, not, I'm gonna have to leave like the uh, you know what i was gonna put scarface in my, my choice was my choice was scarface or meaning of life and i was like <laughs> i was like i'm sure someone's got scarface but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, my number, it's my number two, but I've kind of like I thought. Well, no, someone else will say it by now, so yeah, I'll yeah. Like, get a little bit more obscure. But I've got to make sure it's in there, so I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to use that as my third choice. All right. So, so why Scarface? What was it about Scarface? It's. I mean, although it's actually, you know, it's it's not the original. It's it's their actual remake, but it's just so fantastic, yes. man. Pacino, you know, in his prime. Um, it's just you know every, every sort of gangster sort of drug lord kind of movie just seems to almost like pin, pinch stuff and homage to it and, and that kind of thing yeah. is you know it's, it's 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 the daddy of that that sort of uh that sort of movie i think yeah for me no anyway. definitely um look if you're not i mean you may have not so people watching this may have not seen scarface if you're our age you you would have but if you're younger you might not have but um you'll have known the skit or the phrase say hello to my yeah. little friend you'll you'll know that you know so it's um scarface yeah starring al pacino is a remake of the 1932 movie based on the 1929 novel by armitage trail um it's got michelle pfeiffer in it as well um so it's about tony montana or tony montana uh manages to leave cuba uh, during the Mariel exodus of 1980 he finds himself in florida refugee camp but his friend manny has a way uh, out for them undertaking a contract killing and arrangements will be made to get a green card 
He's soon working for a drug dealer, um, Frank Lopez, and shows a metal when a deal with a Colombian drug dealer goes bad. He also brings a new level of violence to Miami. Uh, Tony is protective of his younger sister, but his mother knows what he does for a living and disowns him. Uh, Tommy's impatient and wants it all, however, including Frank's empire and his mistress, um, Elvira Hancock. Uh, well, however, once on top, obviously his outrageous actions kind of means everything kind of comes crumbling down. The character is very heavily influenced by Al Capone, uh, so it's not a like based on a real person in a sense, but it's an amal- amalgamation, if that's the right word, um, of different characters. But the main one is um, Al Capone. Um, it was directed by Brian De Palma. Um, he previously to this he did Kerry and he did Blowout, starring John Travolta, which made our top ten list of 1981. I think it was. Um, so that was his film directly before this. Um, but then Palmer went on to direct films like The Untouchables, uh, The First Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise, fantastic director. So, um, yeah, Scarface is definitely on my list. Um, some, you know, great acting. Uh, and I love the whole drug cartel vibe. You know, I like Narcos. I like that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is a classic movie. And uh, when you think of Al Pacino, you, you think of Scarface. So, Sasha, love for Scarface? Of course, Matt. That was my number five to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I do stuff on what I rewatch the most. Okay. Yeah. But my top 10 are literally the films I watched the most mm-hmm. kind of thing growing up. I have a certain affinity to them, much like my Star Wars algorithm. I have a certain affinity to certain films more than others. Mm-hmm. Scarface is probably the best made movie and directed movie on, on this list or mm-hmm. off that year as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's a cinematic classic. It stood the test of time. It's one of the key gangster films that basically brought in for inspiration for Grand Theft Auto, uh, the mm-hmm. games and stuff for sure. Especially Vice City. Um, and yeah, man, its influence across the genre is forever there. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah. Um, okay, so I'll go on to my pick, and uh, yeah, this is the one where I said it's close to my heart, but some people may not put it on their list. Um, it is a man in a cape, it is Superman 3. So I know that there isn't necessarily a lot of love for this particular movie um, out of the franchise. A lot of people think, well, this is kind of where it started dropping off in terms of the four films by Christopher Reeve, but there's a lot to love about this movie. Uh, I'm sorry. So, yes, they went, obviously, tried to go a bit more of a comedic route. Um, Richard Pryor was, like, at the top of his game, and they are like, you know, we can get him in this movie. That's going to bring us box office. Um, eight, uh, we had the evil Superman. So we have uh, Superman split into two personalities due to some synthetic kryptonite. Uh, we see Superman get drunk. He's mean to kids. It's awesome, uh, and obviously they have a fight between the two. Um, and it had it has a scene which is you know which as a child scared me, where the machine traps the woman in her and converts her to like this cyborg. That was some scary shit when I was younger, man. That that was kind of some freaky ass shit with the computer taking over. I was like, yo, um, that was a terrifying scene. Um, but look, you know, is it the best written? No, it's not. Um, did it have its problems? Of course it did. Um, so off the we because obviously we covered um superman 2 in a previous episode of the top tens and we obviously discussed about the original first two where they were kind of being made back to back the producer said to the director richard donnell look focus on the first one we want to get the first one out there we have to meet our you know release window he did and they ended up firing him from the second movie 
um so he couldn't finish it and they brought in another director to finish it um but obviously after that happened uh the actors you know kind of rebelled a little bit margaret uh, margaret kidder she expressed her disgust uh, to the producers about the firing of richard donner and as a result the producers basically cut a role to like 12 lines in less than five minutes of screen time for superman 3 they were like yeah okay your character's kind of done but at least we can put your name on there but yeah you're not really in this movie so obviously cut her out put Lana Lang in there and kind of had made that sort of like the love interest. Um, Reeves didn't want to come back either. So he wasn't happy uh, with the decision that was made. But And so production started going ahead and the producers tried to replace him. Actually, the role was actually offered to John Travolta um, and he turned it down. They went to a couple of other people, but they weren't interested. Um, and apparently the rumors um, like Tony Danza was offered the role and he was going to do it. But then Reeves changed his mind or realized, look, if he's going to do it, I might as well do it. And he came back and did it. But he wanted more um, influence on the script. So he wanted to make some changes. Um, but also, it was the first time he had top billing on a Superman movie. Because the first one, you had Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. The second one, you had Gene Hackman. So it was the first time Christopher Reeves had top billing on his own Superman movies. Um, but even after this movie, Chris Reeves was not happy with the third one. He expressed in the interviews how he hated it, how he turned out. And he swore he'd never play the role again. Obviously, he was persuaded to come back and do Superman 4. Again, in exchange for more input on the script. But there we go. We'll come on Superman 4 another day. But yeah, he I just got a lot of love. Superman 4, didn't he? Sorry? He directed Superman 4, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's got a partial, at least directed or partial directing credit for it. Yeah. I'll no, no, he up. directed it. He directed it, right. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but no, like, I've got a lot of love Superman 3. So, Sasha, you wanted that on your list, I take it, yeah? Yeah, that was on my list. That was my number seven. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like, it's not the greatest Superman movie, but it's mm. all we had, damn it. It's yeah. all we right. had, okay? Like, seriously, back in 83, there were only three superhero movies. Batman hadn't shown his face around. Who's only on the TV? We had one, two, mm -hmm. and three mm -hmm. of the OG fucking Man of Steel, all right? So, so you and your oh, I got to wait a year for fucking a Marvel movie. Oh, that's too long. Oh, I need my instant gratification. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck you. All right, fuck you, <laughs> all of you. Fuck you, wanting your four fucking Marvel movies a year. Fuck you. I hope you get like one Marvel movie like every like four years. All right, because that's yeah. how long we had to wait. All right, we had to wait years, bro. Years. For the mm -hmm. shit. That's how it's going, mate. With the way Marvel's going, mate, it will be one every four years at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it should be. Yeah, it's where it should to. be. We need to dilute it, man. We need to dilute it and make the shit great again. But like mm -hmm. Superman three, for its time, regardless of how it, yeah, it doesn't hold up compared to one and two mm -hmm. for sure. For everything you just said, but you know what? For Reeves is still fantastic in it. Oh yeah, but but Reeves has never been the problem with those films. You know what I mean? True, like Reeves, true. Reeves does not drop the ball once, okay? he It's like, mm -hmm. even Harrison Ford, it's the same thing can be said for Harrison Ford with the Indiana Jones films. It's like, yeah. he's never been the problem with those films. Even the latest film, he was not the problem. It's everything right. else. And that's yeah. the same thing with Christopher Reeves here. This, this film is fire. Richard Pryor, uh, Richard Pryor being Richard Pryor. What's there not to love, man? <laughs> yeah. I say yeah. bring that character back in the next Superman film. Bring Goss, Goss Gorman back and have Eddie Murphy play him. I'll watch that film all day. <laughs> I'll straight up watch that. No, but, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a take. That's a take. That's um, a take. That needs to happen. Yeah. 
<laughs> Bring back at Gun. James Gunn. At James yeah, Gunn. At James uh, Gunn. Alex, Eddie. Superman 3. Did, did you love it as a kid? Yeah. you still love it now? Yeah, I mean, again, for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned, Ken, already. It's like, yeah, like when she gets pulled into that machine and transforms into that android <laughs> robot, whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, as a young kid, that was scary as shit. That used to bring yeah. yeah, right? Um, but again, I think the highlight for me in that film is is always like when he splits in two and he, he battles himself. Mm-hmm. That was just so well done. Um, yeah, Evil, Evil Superman was just cool, you know, flicking peanuts yeah, in the right. bar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I just want to clarify. So, Superman 4 Quest for Peace was actually directed by Sidney J. Fury of Fury. Oh, I was wrong. Um, so, yes, it, I think I think he um, wrote it. I think he wrote it or had a huge influence on the script. I think he definitely had a huge influence on the script. I don't oh. know if he had uh, he yeah, he's got a writing credit. Yeah, so Jerry right. Seigel, okay, Joe yeah, Shustan, right. Christopher Reeves. Yeah, okay. so he's got a writing credit. And that was the main reason he came back, so he could get a writing credit on it. So, yeah. Um, okay, so that makes the list. Right. So, Sasha, you've got one more pick, but then we'll obviously we've got one more between our stats of the list. So what is your film you want locked in on this? I feel like it's 1983 again. I feel like it's 1983 again. It's Battle of the Bonds. Who should I pick? It is Battle of the Bonds. What should I pick? Roger Moore, let's face it. While, you, while you're having a little think, I'll just kind of explain a little bit about what that is. So 1983 is the I'll, first... I'll run that down. I'll run that down. I'll run that down. Yeah, so it's the only but, time we ever got two Bond movies in one year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. So way back in, way back before Bond was even made, way back before Bond was even made, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming, mm-hmm. you know, was offered a take on the Bond, right, by a producer called... Uh, is it Jane? Is it Kevin McElroy? Yeah, Kevin McCall, uh, Kevin McElroy. McElroy. Yeah, Cl- yeah, there McClory. we go. Sorry, sorry, McClory. Kevin McClory. Yeah, McClory. Okay, Kevin McClory. Okay, and basically, Kevin McClory and him, they went and wrote a script for James Bond. This mm-hmm. film did not get picked up by anybody because at the time they were like a British guy as a hero. No, because that was that was Hollywood's mentality. We're just villains, apparently. So, mm-hmm. um. So, yeah, never got made, never got made. Um, a version of Casino Royale got made with Jimmy Bond, with played by an American. And then, and then obviously, eventually, we got the Cubby Broccoli production of Dr. No that became the series that we have now, owned by the Broccolis. Fast, you know, but five movies in, they go to make the movie Thunderball, okay, based mm-hmm. on Ian Fleming's novel Thunderball. But there's a snag there. Kevin McClure, McClory, McElroy, whatever the hell he's called, he decides <laughs> yeah. he decides to try sue the broccolis because he wrote. He feels that he wrote enough content in uh, Th- Thunderball, the Thunderball novel script, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the script he wrote would eventually become the Thunderball novel. But he felt mm-hmm. that he came up with stuff like Spectre and the secret yes. organization and stuff like that and um you know so what happened was they agreed that they would use his original script so that he can get full screen screen credit and he'd get paid for his duties and royalties and then they went and made thunderball and then obviously the bond series persisted to do well etc and then mcclory was like well hang on a minute i created spectre but they're using blowfelt I created Blofeld, 
So, you know, or had something to, and that became a big legal battle. So yeah. that's why Spectre and Blofeld kind of eased out of the Bond films in the original run. Um, mm. And then what happened was, um, comes to 1983, um, or the early 80s, McElroy, McClory, whatever the hell we're calling them now, Fred, he um, <laughs> decides, you know what, I'm going to make my own Bond movie. Because I, you know, I'm going to base it on the script that I wrote. And it went to court. The Broccoli's were like, no, you can't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And basically, um, he won and he could go make his movies on the condition that's based on his script. So it was like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. So enter the movie Never Say Never Again, which um, is basically a remake of Thunderball with. Yep. Uh, What's the name? Uh, Kim Basinger and uh, Mr. Bean. Mm -hmm. Rowan Atkinson's in mm -hmm. it. And uh, yeah, but it's the exact same film. It's the exact mm -hmm. same film. But the big hype was because um, Sean Connery was, because um, Sean Connery was at a feud with the Broccoli's, he decided to join this production as a big up FU. And all the yeah. money he made from this movie, he gave to um, the Scottish Parliament because mm -hmm. he was big. Um, he, yeah, he so by the, obviously the time when this movie was being made, Connery had already left the role of James Bond, and obviously Roger Moore had already been in the role for some time. So McGarry was able to get Sean Connery back, so it was very much a return back to being James Bond. Um, so it was very much Roger Moore versus Sean Connery that year at the box office, and uh, it was two Bonds. But McGarry's version, it couldn't have the, it didn't have the theme tune for Bond, because yeah. he didn't have the rights to that. It didn't have the opening like gunshot down the barrel, um, and obviously all the other characters had been recast, like M and Q and stuff like that, because they'd all been returning in the same franchise with Roger Moore. But obviously this was all completely different cast. So it was really the only identifying person was Sean Connery as James Bond. Um, but it still did one of the box office. I think there's only about 20, just over 20 million difference in between the takings between the two, because then we had Octopussy by Roger Moore. Yeah. Funnily enough, though, um, back in the 90s, well, right, right in the eighties and early nineties, um, this guy wanted to make a James Bond TV show based mm -hmm. on his script, and um, obviously it went to court. And then during a seven-year hiatus, we lost Timothy Dalton because that's mm -hmm. what happened. And then we got Goldeneye because they mm -hmm. they couldn't make a movie until that court battle was settled. Mm -hmm. And then that's how we got the Brosnan era, basically. Mm -hmm and a seven-year hiatus but then when the yeah. guy died when the guy died he he was set up at sony and in a strategic move the broccolis decided to partner with Sol sony to distribute the bond films for the first couple of um, daniel craig ones uh or first four i think and during that collaboration they not only got the rights to film casino royale the first book mm -hmm. that ian fleming had ever done but when this guy died, the rights got reverted back to Sony, and mm. that's how we got the movie Spectre, bringing back yes. Blofeld and the mm. secret organization. Because originally their plans while making the uh, Daniel Craig films were they were going to call it Quantum. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. create a different, different secret organization. Which is why you had Quantum of Solace. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, and in the video games, they call it Octopus, actually. So, um, after the symbol. But mm -hmm. yeah, but that's some trivia there. But anyway, 
Oddly enough, Never Say Never Again is not my pick. My pick, <laughs> my pick is Octopussy. So you've, you've gone, you've gone for the the main Bond, not the multiverse Bond. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> I seen, I seen, I seen Thunderball. Okay, fight scenes underwater in slow, slow, slow motion. Ain't that exciting? Okay, like, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not the one, man. Um, I'll, I'll give, I'll give. Never say never again. This you have. Kim Basinger in your movie, okay? Mm-hmm. That 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 eye candy I can watch all day long. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, Octopussy. What's there not to like, man? Roger Moore. Yeah, it's like thing. his sixth film, so like yeah. he's well into the role at this point. Sixth film, and yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Alex, a fan of Octopussy? Did it make I your list? I think it might have actually been the first Bond film I saw as a kid. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah, because know, of the time know, it came I out. I know I definitely started on Roger Moore, again, just because of obviously our age and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I was still been too young to see it in the cinema, but I'm pretty sure that, like, certainly the first Bonds I saw were Roger Moore. But, you know, way definitely, before I yeah. Him. I think my yeah. mind have been Moonraker. I think that might have been mine on TV, you know. Okay. but Yeah, but no, for some reason, I feel like this was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that is true or if it's just a, a false memory. <laughs> it was only we just waited into my brain. But I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, right, yeah, no, cool. it's definitely um, sort of in my honorable mentions list anyway. So yeah, no, honorable mentions. Yeah, okay, fine. Right, so we've got a top nine. We've only got one spot left. So I'm just going to run down what we've got and then kind of run down some of the films that I've thought about. You guys can mention the other films we haven't mentioned, and we have to come up with our final pick. So we've got Return of the Jedi, Trading Places, Project A, The Dead Zone, War Games, Monty Python: The Meaning of Life, Scarface, Superman Three, and Octopussy. We've got one more spot. So I'm going to shout out some of the other movies that I was thinking of. Um, so in my list, um, I also had um, I had Mr. Mum. Uh, so comedy with um, Michael Keaton. Name Michael Keaton. Yeah, it kind of escapes me. And uh, a lot of people refer to this before he became Batman. Basically, a lot of people was like, "You're casting the guy from Mr. Mum, this comedy guy, this guy who looks after kids. He's this comedic actor." um and yeah it's a funny movie and it's a, a solid movie so that was on there uh risky business uh tom cruise rebecca de mornay yeah. um big hit for tom cruise and that came out kind of really showed his star power and what he was about and how, how he could carry a movie um so that was really big um we have sudden impact dirty harry clint eastwood was back um this is the first this is the only movie dirty harry movie that clint eastwood actually directed as well uh there's a lot of death in this movie but that's a solid one and then the big one of that year in terms of the performances and Academy Awards is uh, Terms of Endearment. So um, this is about widow Aurora Greenway, uh, played by Shirley MacLaine, and her daughter Emma, who's played by Deborah Winger. And they have a strong bond, but Emma marries a teacher called Flap Horton, who's played by Jeff Daniels, um, against her mother's wishes. Uh, when the marriage grows sour due to Flap's cheating, Emma eventually splits from him, returning to her mother, who's involved with a former astronaut, played by Jack Nicholson. Um, soon Emma learns that she has terminal cancer and in the hospital supported by Aurora, she tries to make peace with flapping her children. So that's the premise of the movie. Like I say, huge star power there. So the awards that it won, uh, Shirley MacLaine won best actress that for that. Deborah Winger was, uh, nominated for, uh, also nominated for best actress. Jack Nicholson won best supporting actor, uh, the Oscars for that. Um, it also, like I said, had Jeff Daniels, John Lithgow, Danny DeVito it was directed by James Earl Brooks and he won best director and he won best film at the Oscars that's a big contender it's a very big movie very dramatic and uh, did well at the box office as well 
So that's in with a shout. Another couple of them was um, uh, Big Chill, which I haven't watched, which is, again, a comedy. A lot of famous faces in that. And A Christmas Story, which seems to be high on a lot of people's lists, but I've never actually seen A Christmas Story from 1983. Um, but it did well at the box office, as so I thought I'd give it a shout. Alex, what other films haven't we mentioned that you got on your list? Um, so you mentioned Sudden Impact. That was that was quite high on my list. Um, mm-hmm. King of Comedy with De Niro and Scorsese. I think it was 83, I'm pretty sure. I think it was actually King of... Or no, I think that was 82. Oh, okay. Hang on, let me have a look at the box office. So, yeah, so from a box office record, it came out in 82. But yeah, I think okay. it did a lot of money in 83 because of the time of release. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, do, 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 I, what else did I have on there? Um, oh, actually, no, hang on. King of Comedy. Um, is this. Oh, no, this is The King of Comedy. Is that the same yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. I so, well, I think the Scorsese one is the king of comedy. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so it's it's listed as eighty two, but then it's also in theaters. Release date February eighty three. So actually, from a domestic box office point of view, King of Comedy actually comes out in eighty three. So yeah, it qualifies. Fair enough. That was on my list. Um... I think we've had this debate before, so I'm not sure if, again, if this will be 83, but The Evil Dead I had came up on whatever I was looking at as 83. Yeah, so this one actually qualifies for 83 because of the actual release okay. date, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, not that I'm a horror guy, but it was just, yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. probably still a classic for even even for people that aren't into horror can sort of appreciate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, going down the comedy route, again, just being a... I grew up as a big sort of Steve Martin fan, so The Man with Two Brains came out in 83, I think. Oh, well, right. I had that. I've yeah. seen in a long, long time, but I remember sort of seeing that as a kid. And sort of big classic sort of Steve, uh, Steve Martin. Um, was there anything else? I think you mentioned Risky Business already. Mm-hmm. Um, the Outsiders. Again, it's a film I've not seen, but obviously I know it's well-renowned. And Yeah. Um, also a film that came out that year which we haven't mentioned is uh flash dance that was, I was like say, yeah, three. That's, that's also the next one yeah it was number three of the box theater, office so took a lot of money mm-hmm. but, um, and staying staying alive that was there as well yeah that was on there as well um yeah and then the only other thing i put on there just again being sort of like a vampire fan and a david bowie fan the hunger came out in 1983 directed by tony scott which is again right. film i've not seen in a long time but it's a little bit kind of out there and a bit different to your usual sort of vampire fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Sasha, take us through the remainder of your list, or you can run through your whole list if you want. Sure. So, Return of Jedi, Project Day, Training Places, Octopussy, Scarface, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, Superman 3, uh, Never Say Never Again, mm-hmm. The King of Comedy, The Man with Two Brains, Honorable Mention, Staying Alive, The John Travolta sequel to saturday night mm-hmm. fever directed mm-hmm. by sylvester stallone and yeah. the strangest film of 1983 that i saw was dc cab starring mr t what Check the trailer <laughs> and you're just gonna be like what <laughs> i've never I'm seen this at... movie but i saw the trailer i've never heard of this I movie i want to see this film <laughs> Mr. T, Gary Busey. What? 
Yeah. I didn't even know this movie I saw existed. That. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Damn. And it's a comedy. Okay. It's not an action movie. It's a comedy. Directed by Joel Schumacher. What? <laughs> Where has this film been? <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, uh, Adam Baldwin is in there. Yep. Oh, uh, ch- uh, wow. Okay. Bill Maher. Okay. This is uh, this this is this is all news to me. So storyline: the tale of a hapless group of cabbies and a rundown cab company owned by Harold. Albert comes to town with the dream of starting his own cab company, but needs to uh, motivate Harold's employees to make uh, to want to make something out of themselves. It's only when Albert is kidnapped that the cabbies must decide whether or not they are loyal to Albert and his cause. Wow. Okay. This this uh, this goes on the watch list with the trailer to this film. <laughs> yeah yeah as long as i do get taken down for copyright but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll add it in uh right okay well that that's news to me so wow okay um okay so based on all these films uh what do you guys reckon so both of you have got a man with two brains um instantly enough i've never watched it um but based on all the films that we've mentioned what are people thinking where what do we think needs to go on here i'm cool with man with two brains not being on there because it was like low okay. on my list. And yeah, it was pretty low on mine. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I've got like sudden impact. Obviously, you mentioned as well, Ken. That was that was mm. probably the highest on my list out of what's we've all kind of like met, ran, ran off. Um, yeah, I think risky business was the highest I had that wasn't mentioned. Uh, what yeah, King of Comedy. At the moment. King of Comedy again. Yeah, like, yeah, see, I, this, the only thing is I haven't seen that. So yeah, that I've seen I've seen it, and look, I'm a Scorsese fan. And I do like the film, and I did enjoy mm. it. It's not my best Scorsese film, but I understand why it's so influential and stuff. Obviously, it yeah. inspired uh, Todd Phillips's Joker movie. Mm-hmm. That's quite evident in when you, when you look at it and look at Joker, you totally see the resemblance between the two films. Mm. Um, it's a very good film, but like I said, just because it's a renowned good film, I have to go with what. I enjoyed growing yeah. up and you know, I mean, what, you know, this, this like it technically it's a fantastic film and it's up there with mm-hmm. return of the Jedi or no, with um, Scarface kind of thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, um, even though it's my number nine, that's because I was scrambling for stuff that <laughs> I had seen. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Cause yeah, there was yeah. a lot of films you said there in your list, like terms of endearment and all of those mm-hmm. films. I ain't seen those films, so they weren't. Yeah, no, I haven't it. seen Terms of Endearment either. And I was yeah. like, holy crap, this is such a big Oscar winning film. I'm surprised because I haven't seen it because of Jack Nicholson effect, you know, and the fact mm. that he won an award for it and hadn't watched it. You know, don't mean to be sexist in terms of the other female leads who, you know, were nominated for this, but James Earl Brooks as well, in terms of his film catalogue. Um, yeah. you know, big influence on The Simpsons as I grew up and stuff like that. So so yeah, it's a film that I definitely need to go back and watch. Um, but uh, same as King's King of Comedy, the King of Comedy. So um okay so alex if you had to pick one uh to to add to make the list what would it be king of comedy man of two brains sudden death sudden impact what would it be um i think being 80s it's the only one that you should also do it i think i would go sudden impact i think dirty harry mm-hmm. should, should be in there mm-hmm. so that'd probably be my vote okay cool sasha what film would you pick uh what's the list at the moment so we've got on the list return of the jedi trading places project a the dead zone war games monty python the meaning of life 
Scarface, Superman 3, and Octopussy. Okay. Um, I guess you should turf out war games and put in Dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah, I there's no reason to turn out war games. Dirty Harry can make the list. This is an extra one. War games just, is staying I'm, in. I'm just I'm throwing it out there, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> war, game, war games needs to stay, mate. I'm sorry. Two versus one, mate. War games is. <laughs> yeah, no. War games is staying. War games right, is staying. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I'm only t I'm torn between sudden impact and uh, risky business. I think they're the two that I'm uh, torn between, but. Yeah, to be, to be fair, I was going to say, yeah, if I would be happy, you know, if you wanted to put sort of like Tom Cruise in there at risk of business, I, I would have been cool mm. with that. If you know, if, if the right. choice is between those two and, and Satch has a preference out of those two, I'll, I'll go with them with majority. Sash, what would you go with? Would you go with sudden impact or risky business? I haven't seen either of them, so I don't really care. <laughs> 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 Yeah, have you got a coin? Have you got a coin? Just flip a coin. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just going to see actually. I'm going to literally going to get a coin. This is how top tens it. are done, mate. Professional. This is this is exactly this is this is the highest high tech as the creative control top ten goes. Flip a coin for the last spot. Uh, all right, uh, here we. I need to nominate something. So, Alex. Um, uh, for the record, Sasha has not seen any of the Dirty Harrys. Right, okay. Well, see, there you go. So you got some yeah. films to watch, too. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I'm sure if I did, I might have had some strong words for, like, <laughs> Clint Eastwood over Tom Cruise. But yeah. then, you know, at the moment, it's a stalemate. I'm not getting involved, man. I'm like, cool. That's, that's cool. So, yeah. all right, so we're going to go with uh, Heads for um, uh, Sudden Impact and then uh, Risky Business is Tails. So it's Tails, Risky Business. So... There we oh. go. Little two P. Um, risky business makes it. <laughs> What's that? So you can't beat Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, so yeah, risky business. Um, I don't think we've re have we spoken much about it. Not. Um, so basically, Tom Cruise. He basically he's ecstatic when his parents are going away on vacation for a few days, and um, he's a high school senior called Joel. And he cuts loose with his best friend called Miles. And after an attempt at securing services of a prostitute goes slightly awry, Joel hires gorgeous Lana, played by Rebecca De Mornay, for a night of delight. Stunned by the amount of Lana's bill, uh, the next morning Joel grows frantic after he crashes his father's Porsche. In an effort to raise money fast, um, he turns his house into a brothel. So that's your premise for Risky Business. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a great movie. Tom Cruise really showed his star power in this and uh, was the start of something special. Um, and he, it's yeah, kind of explores the end of innocence, kind of in your good 18 team kind of way. It's got a decent soundtrack as well. Um, and it obviously has the infamous dance scene where Tom Cruise dances with his shirt and underwear. Um, yeah, so there we go. All right, so there we go. Risky Business makes a list, and that is our top 10. So, uh, it's I think compared to the other years, it wasn't as easy because there was a lot of films which were good, but not this must make the list. I think last, uh, like 82, we definitely was able to come with those a lot quicker. Um, but again, a lot of movies made the list, but weren't necessarily like Oscar winners or like award winners and stuff like that. You know, if all of us had watched Turns uh, of Endearment, that might have made a list. But hey, this is our list. So come at us. What, what, what are we going to do? um so yeah sound off in the comments let us know what you thought of our list so our top 10 list of 1983 we have return of the jedi trading places project a the dead zone war games monty python the meaning of life scarface superman 3 octopussy and risky business 
um yeah so like i say sound off in the comments let us know uh what you thought which of your films uh, made the list which didn't what do you think uh, uh you'd replace on the list with and uh, you can sound off in the comments on our youtube channel um or even on spotify um or you can catch us on twitter um at cc movie podcast we've also got an instagram page and a facebook page um where you'll be able to make all these comments um right guys thank you very much for joining me today much appreciated um any final thoughts before we go no nothing for me go sasha anything from you nope nope all right so um, if it's all worked out, um, as soon as this podcast, uh, just before this podcast ends, you'll be able to see a trailer for DC Cab because I need to see this. So I'm going to put this on the end of this podcast because that sounds batshit crazy. Uh, right. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, and as always, until next time, peace out. Washington, D.C., seat of the nation, served by the dedicated men and women of DC Cab. We're the worst company in town, and we know it. Where to, baby? Nowhere with you. You ain't got no company. No, you have right. an asylum. Kill. Pleased to meet you, Miss Oswald. They had enough class. How do you do? My cow made no motel. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're a pitiful specimen of manhood. Enough style. Just as I suspected. Look at this one. It isn't fit for Caucasians. So where y'all going? What it look like? Enough integrity. You charge Mr. and Mrs. Tomatsu $195. They had a lot of luggage. Enough spirit. <laughs> to drive a whole city crazy. You don't have to shut us this down. This company is closed, pending further investigation. But when it looked like their number was up, that's when they really got down. Make an investment in DC Cab. Are you saying that we'd be like, like partners? If I wanted responsibility, I'd have been a damn sex surrogate. We just might make something of ourselves. Well, not actually do anywhere for a few years. They prove that anybody can be somebody if they're ready to reach for a big enough dream. And I ain't never going back to being what I was before. Never! So put your life in the hands of Adam Baldwin, Charlie Barnett, Irene Cara, Max Gale, Bill Maher, Tough to be a man, baby. Paul Rodriguez, Mr. T, and Gary Busey. It's everything you always wanted in a cab company. And less. DC Cab.